Glory to Jesus Christ, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their history, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loyal, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is the story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianmedia.com Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, your host. We have in the Byzantine liturgical calendar this week One of my favorite feast days in the Byzantine calendar is the Feast of the Transfiguration of Our Lord on Mount Tabor. In fact, it is that event, that mountain, that we used for the name of the Tabor Life Institute, an organization that I am connected with, in which we teach, inform people in John Paul II's Theology of the Body through a Byzantine liturgical perspective. To find out more about that, go to TaborLife.org. That's TaborLife.org. We do retreats, conferences, counseling, all kinds of good things. So consider that, TaborLife.org, especially now since we're coming up on the patronal feast day of that organization, Tabor Life. To write to us, go to TaborLife at Earthlink.net, TaborLife at Earthlink.net. One of the reasons it's my favorite feast day, one of my favorite feast days, is because it is so essentially Eastern in its, in its ethos. It's about Jesus Christ showing his divinity. In other words, this concept of divinization is central to Eastern spirituality. Eastern spirituality is based upon this idea that we continually evolve, we transfigure into more and more the image and likeness of God. That's what life is about. Life is a continual journey, a continual process of becoming, becoming our true selves, which means truly the images of Christ in our own unique way. And it is a process which takes great asceticism, you know, the dying to self, the sacraments, the confession, the dying to sin, rising to God, rising to reception of the Eucharist. In other words, completely transforming ourselves progressively. And this goes on even into eternity. We call this divinization. And on Mount Tabor, what happened, you can read about it in Matthew's Gospel. You can find it in Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 to 9. Jesus goes on to Mount Tabor in front of Peter, James, and John, and he's changed. He's transfigured gloriously. He becomes radiant. And what happened in that moment was the revelation of his divinity, but also the truth about his being human. That's right, the truth about our being human. In fact, during the Byzantine liturgical services for this feast day, we say this, showing the change that mortals will undergo, O Lord, when they enter your glory at your second and awesome coming, you were transfigured on Mount Tabor. Did you hear that? Showing the change that mortals will undergo. In other words, what happened was Peter, James, and John saw, they got a glimpse of the eschaton, of what is going to happen to all of us 
if we are saved, when our bodies are reunited with our souls and transfigured gloriously in heaven, what happened on Mount Tabor was a revelation of what it truly means to be human as well as Christ's divinity. That's one of the reasons why we chose the name of this mount, Mount Tabor, for that special ministry that I'm involved in at the Tabor Life Institute. As I mentioned, this is on the Eastern calendar, a a very brilliant feast day, but always we talk about in this program the Eastern churches as living churches in context of their lived experience, the cultures that they're ensconced in, because we always point out in this program that it's virtually impossible to separate the Eastern spirituality, the Eastern churches, from their cultural settings, from their history, you know, their ethos. And they are, most of the Eastern Catholic churches today, find themselves at the exact epicenter of some of the most pressing global issues of our day. So as I mentioned, the Eastern Catholic churches in this program are not just a history lesson. Yes, we do obviously go into history, but they are a living church, and they're living at the very center of some of the most significant events of our lives. And to help us understand that even better, we have our special guest, our good friend here on Light of the East, Juliana Tamarazzi from the Iraqi Christian Relief Council. Welcome once again, Juliana, to Light of the East on this great pre-festive of the great feast of the transfiguration of our Lord on Mount Tabor. Welcome and glory to Jesus Christ, Juliana. Glory to Jesus Christ, Father Loya. Thank you for having me. So tell us what's happening in the global, the cultural context of the Eastern churches, especially in areas we're hearing a lot about in the news now, very critical areas such as Iraq and Iran and also Syria. Father Tom, uh, the Middle Eastern Christians have uh, been under attack since the rise of Islam. Every 45 and a half years, we have, come, we have come under attack, and recently, every generation, every 10 years, is, is, has been forced to migrate out of the Middle East to other countries. And uh, this is no different in Syria, especially. As we know, the Arab Spring has not been very uh, successful in all countries, except Libya, I want to say. Uh, in Syria, the uprising that has happened is an extension of that Arab Spring against the Assad regime. And as a result of everything that has been happening, the Christians now fear for their lives. And many are fleeing. They're going to Lebanon, to Turkey. And if you remember, starting 2003, when Islamic radicals, radicals forced Christians out of Iraq, many of them, over about a million Christian, Assyrians, and Chaldeans have fled Iraq since 2003, a lot of them went to Syria, and now a report that came to me today said between four to 5,000 families are now returning to Iraq, but they're returning to a home that they don't have homes in. Their homes have been taken over by Islamic radicals. Hmm. These, are, these are Christians that are returning home. Yes, these are the first, these are the original Christians. We, the Assyrians, also known as Chaldeans and Syriacs, these people are the original Christians. We, we are the first nation that converted to Christ as a whole. And uh, they've uh, defended their faith century after century, uh, and, but, but it doesn't stop. We are in 21st century now, and uh, with the advancement of technology and the awareness that Europeans and Americans have about what is happening in the Middle East, we are still slaughtered in that region. We hear in Syria a lot in news, especially recently. Give us a little bit of background on Syria. Sure. Syria, as we know it today, it, it is very young. It just was formed as Syria since World War 
won, and it became uh, a mandate under France. But before that, uh, if you, if I can briefly talk about uh, the Sumerians and Akkadians, Sumerians and Akkadians, 3,000 before Christ, built the northern part of uh, Syria. And then the Assyrians, while they were expanding their territory, they occupied northern Syria. So today you will find a lot of Assyrians living in Syria. In uh, World War One, as I stated, uh, France came and took over, but uh, in 1946, Syria declared its independence. Uh, although there were so many military coups, and it has been in turmoil, turmoil ever since for decades, in uh, 1971, Hafez al-Assad, who is the father of current Bashar al-Assad, the current president, uh, declared a bloodless coup and took over the country. And as we all know, he's a Ba'athist, he's a socialist, he is a friend of, uh, the whole regime has been very friendly to Iran. And uh, in the beginning of his presidency, he helped economically develop Syria. And that's why he has won, the, he had at the time won the hearts and minds of Syrians, especially Christians. He promoted Christians. He, uh, you know, he helped them advance in their education. However, recently during the uprising, we're learning more and more about truly how Bashar al-Assad has run the country. And even his father was not was not very loved towards the end of his uh, presidency. No, he he himself a, he himself and his father they were not Christians, but they were kind to Christians, correct? They were kind to Christians. They were, they were Alawites. And Alawites are just like Sunnis and Shiites. It's a sect of Islam. Oh, okay. And uh, I'll tell you, about there are about 15% of Syrians that are Christian, and then about 70% of them are Sunnis. About 10 to 15% only are Alawites and they're Shiites. So a lot of what you see, a lot of this uprising has been, uh, has, uh, has been perpetrated by the Sunnis. Okay, so Juliana, you're saying then that Christians who are in Syria, especially Chaldean Christians, and again, these are Eastern Catholic Christians who fled there during the war and persecution currently in Iraq, that they are now returning by the thousands. And so what is their situation? What are their needs? The need is great. I received a letter today, uh, an email rather, from the president of the Assyrian Aid Society of Iraq asking us to uh, gather as much money as we can and do fundraising for the Assyrians and Chaldeans who are returning. There are four to 5,000 families that are returning to the northern part of Iraq especially. Chances are they're not going to go back to Baghdad because Baghdad is still so volatile. So they will settle in the north. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's peaceful in the north, but the economy is really bad. So what we started today is a campaign called Aid for Ninevites. We are the children of Ninevites. We are the ones who repented when Jonah came. So if you go to our website, IraqiChristianRelief.org, you will see information there on how the listeners can help these, uh, these original Christians. It sounds to me like your plea is rather desperate at this point. It really is. We are absolutely desperate. And you know, what happens is everyone in the news is, uh, pays attention to sensational news. But the most important aspect of this whole war and this whole persecution has been what has happened after a church has been bombed or after children have been kidnapped and never found. Those are the grieving families that we have to tend to. And without your help, we will not be able to deliver the funds to them to pray for them. The only, funds are not the only thing. We ask you immensely to pray. Miracles have come through prayer. But prayer alone, we also need uh, funding from your listeners. And 
you know, your your program is uh, broadcasted worldwide, so this is a plea to all Christians worldwide, not only in America. Okay, and Juliana, once again, where can people give? Simply by visiting IraqiChristianRelief.org. We are a 501c3 organization, and uh, there is a donate button that they can click on. They can also go under our projects. We have uh, immense pic- amount of pictures that you guys can see, all of the work that we previously have done, and there are two major projects that are work- we're working on, but the most important one is this aid for Ninevites. Just please uh, go to IraqiChristianRelief.org read about it, and click donate. It's very simple. If people don't have PayPal, our address is there. They can just mail us a check. And when we return, we'll talk more with our special guest, Juliana Tamarazzi, from the Iraqi Christian Relief Council. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East's mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support in order to keep Light of the East on the air. You can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Hello, I'm Father Thomas Loya, and I want to welcome you to Prairie Fest. That's Friday, August 10th through Sunday, August 12th, with more music and more variety than ever before at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois. Friday night, August 10th at 7, rock out to the fabulous Everly Brothers. That's why I go for that rock and roll music. On Saturday, August 11th at 2, swing with the Tilly Park Arts Alive Jazz Band. Take in the art fair and then rock with Emadar Rush. Rock and roll, Chicago. On Sunday morning, August 12th at 1130, Polka with Tony Blazoncek's new phase. At 3, the Harvest Moon Band. You'll also find $5,000 raffle, beanbag tournament, children's games, church, and prairie tours. Great food, prairie fest, Friday through Sunday, August 10th through the 12th. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church, 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Details on the events link at ByzantineCatholic.com. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. The Tabor Life Institute, which is dedicated to the formation and education in the theology of the body. To find out more about the Tabor Life Institute, you can go to TaborLife.org. That's TaborLife.org. Especially if you're interested in conferences and retreats, in particular for youth, young adults, and also for those of you who speak Spanish. That's TaborLife.org. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, your host. And we're celebrating today, the Eve, and this week also will be the feast itself of the transfiguration of our Lord Jesus Christ on Mount Tabor before, before his apostles, in the presence of his apostles, Peter, James, and John. One of my favorite feast days in the Byzantine calendar, and the one upon which, as I mentioned earlier, our Tabor Life Institute is based and named. And our spirituality for this institute comes from this event. To find out more about it, go to TaborLife.org, TaborLife.org. For the celebration of this feast, we, of course, 
have many beautiful liturgical texts, but also we have references from the scriptures, from both the Old Testament and the New Testament. One of the Old Testament references comes from Exodus chapter 24, verse 12. The Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain, and while you are there, I will give you the stone tablets in which I have written the commandments intended for their instruction. So Moses set out with Joshua, his aide, and went up to the mountain of God. The elders, however, had been told by him, wait here for us until we return to you. Aaron and Hur are staying with you. If anyone has a complaint, let him refer the matter to them. After Moses had gone up, a cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord settled upon Mount Sinai. The cloud covered it for six days. On the seventh day, he called to Moses from the midst of the cloud. To the Israelites, the glory of the Lord was seen as a consuming fire on the mountaintop. But Moses passed into the midst of the cloud as he went up on the mountain. And there he stayed for 40 days and 40 nights. You can hear this account from Exodus 24, how it prefigures, as many, many aspects of the Old Testament do, actually the whole Old Testament, prefigures what will become fulfilled in the New Testament with Christ. In the event of Christ's transfiguration on Mount Tabor, we have the exact same details. A couple of people go up the mountain with him, and there's a cloud that comes over the mountain, and the glory of the Lord shone forth exactly like it was with Moses. So you can see how what is prefigured in the Old Testament is fulfilled in Christ. Moses, of course, is a type of the archetype Jesus Christ. Many wonderful, rich things about this feast of the transfiguration of our Lord, which is celebrated very, very gloriously in the Byzantine liturgical calendar. But we're also talking about the Eastern churches ensconced in their real-life situations, especially in things that we hear in the news, but we don't really hear the full story. You do get the full story here on Light of the East, though, especially because we have marvelous guests such as Juliana Tamarazzi from the Iraqi Christian Relief Council. Juliana is helping us to help her and her efforts to help the people of Iraq and Syria. She mentioned earlier that many refugees are returning, trying to return to their homes in Iraq. Actually, not even to their homes. They don't exist anymore. They're returning to their homeland, though, of Iraq, especially the northern part, from Syria. They were exiled because of all the war in Iraq, but they are returning, and they are very much in need of your help. These people are poor. They're destitute. They're hungry. They're sick. They need all, all kinds of things. And Juliana has mentioned to us where you can go to help donate. That's iraqichristianrelief.org. But Juliana, is also some other things we can do as well on some other levels, like, for instance, the political level. Yes, Father Tom, the politics of uh, this whole region is so complex, so I will try my best to break it down and uh, put it in a simple term. Uh, As we see Yemen and Egypt and Libya, and now Syria has, uh, the the so-called Arab Spring has come into those countries, and out of all those, the one that is more moderate, the regime that came on is more moderate is in Libya. But we cannot forget Lebanon. Lebanon, I believe we have to keep an our, our eye on because of Hezbollah and Hezbollah's relationship and allegiance to Iran. When this current regime in Syria falls, then Iran is going to be alienated in, in the region. And to make sure that this happens, Turkey, Sunnis, uh, Saudi Arabia, and Qatar, these are all Sunni alliances. They will use whoever comes into power in Syria to attack the Hezbollah in Lebanon. And they will utilize Lebanese army to attack Hezbollah. And when, if, if and when Hezbollah goes away, Iran is alienated even more. So we have to really pay attention to what happens in Lebanon next. Uh, going back to Syria briefly, I've spoken to a lot of different people that are Christians and are Muslims but are from Syria. A lot of Christians here in America talk about 
how they love Assad and Assad's regime because he was good to them. And they're afraid of who will take over next. And they say that because Bashar al-Assad and his father Hafez al-Assad both have been very kind to Christians. They promoted them into high ranks, as I said earlier. And I'll use uh, Dawood Rajiha as an example. He was the Minister of Defense who recently was killed. He was a Christian, and that was nobody really talked about in the media. That's why I always find it important to talk to the people on the ground and people that have come from that country. But when I talk to the Muslims from Syria, they ardently want this man to go away because they have seen, they've grown up, they've been raised in Syria, they have seen how Christians have been used as bargaining chips in Syria, and they say that he is bloodthirsty. So when I pose this question of, are you afraid of who will come afterwards, they said, they all say Syria is uh, a homogenous land. There are a lot of Armenians, uh, there are a lot of uh, Assyrians, Sunnis, Shiites, Alawites, and other groups that are there. So the person that comes in will not be, cannot be a radical Islamist. They have to be a moderate, uh, similar to Libya. And Juliana, do you think that's possible? Do you think that it could happen? You know, I, through power of prayer, I hope that it will. I, I was very afraid for Egypt, and obviously Dr. Marcy came in and took over, and he's uh, linked to, he is a Muslim Brotherhood follower. Mm-hmm. Uh, seeing what happened in Yemen gives me a little bit of hope. Yemen. And having faith in what I hear Muslim Syrians are saying, they're saying that we're not bloodthirsty. Uh, we don't want Christians to flee the country because Christians are the bridge between us and the West. I'm hoping that somebody will rise up and will not be a threat to Christians. But the reason Christians are afraid is because, uh, like I said earlier in the program, century after century we've been slaughtered in that region. So. Uh, naturally, we are worried and we're afraid. For the sake of our listeners, just want to explain to the churches that are in this region that Juliana is talking about. We have on the Orthodox side, we have the Syrian Orthodox Church, the Eritrean Orthodox Church, and the Coptic Orthodox Churches. And we also have the Assyrian Church of the East. And their counterparts in the Eastern Catholic world are the Chaldean Church, the Syrian Catholic Church, and also the Melkite. Now, the Melkite is very much like my church. In other words, it, well, actually, it's the same, only different jurisdiction. It follows the Byzantine rite. See, the Byzantine rite is it's kind of an umbrella term. Uh, beneath that term, you have different jurisdictions, which are basically defined by their ethnic heritage. Melkite, the Melkites basically are Lebanese or, and also Syrian. The Byzantines also are composed of the Belarusians, the Ukrainians, the Slovaks, Rusins, Hungarians, Romanians, and actually a number of others. So just so you understand, when we talk about the Byzantine church, and specifically now in this case, we're mentioning the Melkite church, it's kind of an umbrella term. But in this area, though, as far as Eastern Catholics, we have also Maronites as well. Maronite, Chaldean, Syrian, and Melkite. Now, Juliana mentioned about the leader of Lebanon having been assassinated, and he was, in fact, a Maronite. In other words, he was an Eastern Catholic, belonging to the Eastern Rite called the Maronite Rite. So these are some of the churches that we're talking about that are at the very center of all this strife in this region that Juliana is appealing to us for. She's appealing to us for help for these people. And once again, Juliana, the best place for people to go if they want to help, and please, as Juliana has told us, and she's very... She's a very humble person, so I'll say it for her. She's told me many times that it is you people, you listeners here at Light of the East, 
who have been some of her greatest supporters in this very, very charitable and actually very courageous work that she does with the Iraqi Christian Relief Council. So once again, as, as the host of Light of the East, as your host, and on behalf of Juliana, I'm appealing to as well to support what she is doing here. This is a very, very charitable effort on her part, very, very upfront, very honest, very open. And again, Juliana, the place to go is where? IraqiChristianRelief.org. And what you said just now, Father Tom, is so, so true. We majority of our donations come from your listeners from Light of the East Radio. We receive phone calls, we receive emails, even in uh, checks that are uh, that are sent to us, they have letters and cards of words of encouragement. So I cannot thank you, Father Tom, and your ch- church, and as well as your listeners, for truly standing uh, alongside of the Assyrians, Chaldeans, and Syriacs. I received a, a letter of plea today from the Assyrian Aid Society. Two days ago, Bishop Habash, who is uh, the Syriac bishop of the cathedral, which was bombed on October 31st, 2010, if you recall in Baghdad, he said he received a request from the bishop in Syria asking for financial assistance. Well, Juliana, I'm sure that our listeners will respond once again, at, at the very least, in prayer. I want to thank you for being on our program, Juliana. You're always such a great friend here at Light of the East. And we thank all of you for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the Light of the East. To find out more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue this program with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount would be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East 14610. Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610, Will Cook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K, Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God bless you and grant you many happy years. <laughs>